Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So today we are talking about uh, ancient Hebrew assassins. That is plural. We get a two for one, you know, buy one, get one free. They're found relatively close to each other. They're in the book of Judges, Judges chapters three and four, both both separate stories, but both awesome. And what's fun, I think, about these are that so many of the Bible's messages are about, uh, they're good, you know, they're good, peace or, or about patience or Jesus said, you know, if someone hits you on one side of your face, don't retaliate and turn your head and, and let them hit you on the other side. Or not, not getting revenge, not, not no retaliation and good mentality, I guess, in general. But, but these stories, these are about people seeing an opportunity and being badasses. It's, it's, I mean, the good guys versus the bad guys. Yeah, they're killing people, but it's okay. Like, it's just, it's fun. So, actually, I really, I really love these stories. As with everything in the show, I just, like, I wish they were, they were talked about more. So, super excited to get into it. Let's go ahead and start. As I do every episode, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. So, for tonight, I grabbed a bottle of, a bottle that I've, I've actually come to, to enjoy a lot. I buy it a, I buy it a lot often, actually. Uh, not every time I go out, but I always, usually have a bottle of this around. It is called Hellcat Maggie. It's an Irish whiskey. It supposedly comes from the whole story of a woman named Hellcat Maggie, who apparently was uh, a female member of uh, some ultra-violent 1800s Irish-American gang, a street gang. And she was like the enforcer, like she was a bad, like a badass. Oh, the, the name of the group was the Dead Rabbits, apparently. And she was so savage that she, like, filed down her teeth into, like, sharp fangs and then also had, like, brass claws that she would just tear apart people with. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't research the actual history of it. That's the story. If it's, I hope it's true. That sounds amazing. Oh, is that okay? Can I say that? Is that okay to say? Like, yes, I hope that there was a woman in history that... <laughs> that was part of a street gang and tore people apart with filed down fangs and 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 brass claws. I don't know. It sounds amazing. The the uh, the whiskey's is good. I buy it a lot. It's it's spicy. It's a little. It does have a bite to it. No no pun intended with the with the whole sharp fangs thing. But I like it. I actually it's a bottle that I buy a lot when I am going to like a friend's house and I'm not. I don't care so much. Like I'm not trying to impress anyone and buy like a super fancy bottle. It's a sub twenty dollar bottle around my house, so it's a cheap it's a cheap thing. But I think you know it, it. It's good, and and people, most people haven't ever heard of it before, so it's it's fun to show up with it, and, and you know, like oh, Hellcat Maggie, and then like you read the backstory of it, and it's fun. And I, like I said I, I buy it a lot, and I bring it to other people's houses, and, and leave it there a lot. I'm saying a lot of nice things about it. They haven't paid me anything. I will let you know when they when they do, or if anyone does. It's just it's just letting you know how I live my life, I guess. So Hellcat Maggie is what we're drinking. And let's talk about some assassinations. Always, always a fun talk of it, topic. So, if you listen to my last story, where we talked about Balak, the king of Moab, and then and Balaam, Jafar, the evil wizard that tried to curse Israel and failed hard, then you'll know a little bit about where we're coming from. That last story was uh, from Numbers. 
And now we've fast-forwarded two full books of the Bible to Judges. Judges uh, 3 and 4 are where we find our stories today. The first one's in Judges 3. And we meet up again with the Moabites, the, the douches that were trying to curse Israel last time. And we've moved forward. Balak's not in the picture anymore. Now we have a new king, King Egl Eglon? Eglon. E-G-L-O-N. Eglon. Eglon? I'm going to say Eglon. Eglon. And he was in control of the Israelites for uh, like 18 years and had kind of a Negan from the Walking Dead system set up where the Israelites and other, other groups that were under his control had to come and bring him tribute uh, or a tithe of uh, their, their crops and their goods and whatever so they had to they had to come in and, and bring him goodies and the israelites were tired of it much like much like rick from from walking dead they were tired of it and this guy ehud ehud that sounds cool ehud uh was was tired of it and the bible specifically says that he was left-handed, which is a very specific distinction. I don't know of any other stories off the top of my head in the Bible that, that spe specify the left-handedness, but he was the guy in charge of bringing the tributes to the king, was tired of it, was tired of, this, of, of the Moabites being in control of, of the Israelites, and decided that he was going to do something about it. So he made himself a custom double-edged sword. And I'm not quite sure what that means. I thought all swords were double-edged. I don't know. I'm not an expert on swords. I'm not sure. Um, somebody once told me that it was like, like it wasn't just the, the two sides, if you can imagine, of a sword, but like also like the middle part was also like, I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. They might have been talking out of their ass. But but it just makes it sound more badass. Like, right? It's not just a sword. It's a double-edged sword. But he, he made it custom for himself. I think, I don't know, maybe are most swords like screwdrivers? Uh, like, are they fitted for right-hand people? And you, hey, is that true? Are there are there left-hand screwdrivers? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm right-handed myself. I'm sorry. I don't understand the plight of all my my left-handed friends and, and and listeners out there i don't know i i'm assuming that he made a custom left-handed sword for himself as, as you can imagine so like if you're when you're when you're dealing with a sword if you are right-handed then you cross your body like you you hold if you're right-handed you hold your sword on your left right so you when you go to pull or, or draw your sword you you cross your body with your right hand and you pull it out from your left side and because he was left-handed he he's he, he set it up so that it was like strapped i think to his like like thigh or his leg or whatever on his right hand side this gave him like like hoorah like go left-handers out in there this this story's for you he he set it up so if they like checked him for weapons they like I guess only checked the one side that your body would be if you were right-handed and no one knew he was left-handed so he was able to like set up and hide his this this custom double-edged left-handed sword on the right side of his body like on his thigh and hide it that way and get past guards and stuff so very very clever anyway 
So so he, he rolls in with his group of Israelite people. They're not they're not warriors or anything. They're just they're the guys giving the tribute, right? They have to go do this. So he rolls in, they meet with the king, and the king's this super fat guy, right? Like again, so the Bible is specific about how Ehud is left-handed and it's also specific about how King Eglon of Moab was super fat. Like if you ever I don't know if you, you're probably too young for me. You probably don't know. But I used to love on the old Nintendo system, Punch-Out! Or Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! And there's a character, King Hippo. King Hippo. And you couldn't punch him. His boxing game. You couldn't punch him in the face. You had to punch him in the stomach. And if you punched him enough in the stomach, his pants would fall down. You could knock him out. This is what I envision of, of King Eglon of Moab because the Bible is specific of how fat he is. And so the king's there, and they go, and they, they, they arrive, and they, they drop off the tribute, no big deal, and then they all leave. They leave his, his throne room or whatever. They leave, his, they leave the castle. They start leaving the city, and as they're about to leave, they're about to leave the city gates, and Ehud is like, whoa, oh, man, I, I, I forgot my keys or something. And he's like, hold up, you guys wait here. Let me go back to the king. So they're like, okay, whatever, bro. And like he leaves and goes back to the, the palace or whatever, goes back to the throne room. And the guards are there. And he's like, hey, and he makes up the story. And he says, hey, I need to talk to the king. They're like, well, why? And he's like, I have a message for him. And the guards are like, well, you tell me the message and we'll give it to the king. And he's like, no, you don't understand. This message is from God and it's a secret. So I need to tell the king myself. And the guards are like, uh, okay. And so they go into the king, and they go, hey, uh, that guy Ehud who was just here, he's back. He says he has a secret from God to tell you. And so Eglon's like, I can't wait. I love secrets from God. And he brings he brings Ehud in. Ehud like gives him kind of like a little like winky eye. Like he's like, hey, it's a secret. You know, and so Eglon's like, oh, yeah. So he sends out all of his guards. He's like, it's a secret. I don't want these, like, asshats to hear about it. So he sends out all of his guards. So it's just the king, this fat king Eglon, and Ehud, the left-hand guy, in, like, the throne room or whatever together. Like, they're all alone, right, because there's this, this secret. So Eglon is, hey, so, okay, we're alone now. What's the secret? What's the secret? Please tell me. So Ehud, again, because it's a secret, he like starts like getting in closer to the king, and he's like, all right, he starts talking low and gets in close. He's like, well, I have a message. As and as he gets closer to the king, I don't know why the king, the king like he stands up, right? Like because I mean he's into it. He's 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 like, what's the secret? What's the secret? So he stands up off of his throne, and then Ehud, like because he wasn't expecting it. Ehud uses his left hand and he pulls the sword that he had made and he had strapped it to his leg under his clothes and he, he whips out the sword, he, he pulls it out and he plunges the sword into the king's gut and and the Bible says he was so fat and the, the sword went so deep that the king's just fat, ugly like belly just like enveloped the sword, like you couldn't even see the sword anymore, like it just it just engrossed it just it just enveloped the whole sword with his fat belly and he shit himself uh, <laughs> i love 
this story. And, and he died. He died right there instantly. And then Ehud, you know, saw, seeing that he's dead and, like, mission accomplished, he go. He went out. He locked the doors. He locked the doors to, like, the throne room or whatever. He went out to the balcony, like, whole, like, Assassin's Creed, like, video game style, like, used the balcony and, like, I don't know if he jumped in, like, a big pile of hay or whatever. But he, like, he got, he left, right? And he met up with his entourage his group and like oh yep i got i'm back i got my keys or whatever like we're good let's go and they all like hurried out of the city all the guards for the king didn't know what was taking so long it's like a shift change or they forgot that ehud was like in there originally or what but like they because the doors were locked right because that's what ehud did right before he left so they went to go try the doors at some point and they're like why is the king in there so long and I don't know if they smelled him shitting himself or just assumed that, like, this is, in, this is biblical, this is in the Bible. They assumed that he was using the bathroom and they didn't want to disturb him or, you know, I mean, he's the king, right? So they didn't want to, like, walk in on him in the bathroom. So they just, they just let him sit. He just sat, his dead body sat there covered in, like, shit and, like, whatever and a sword in his gut. He just sat there for I don't even know hours or whatever because they thought that he was he was having bathroom time or something and it was it was a long enough time before they finally like like got really really worried and like pried open the door to go check on him and find his dead body they waited so long that Ehud and his group just dipped and they were they were so far gone and and it was great and it was fine like it was just it was a perfect perfect plan and a perfect assassination so now the king was dead there in the in the turmoil that happened the israelites were able to get their freedom they did a very what was was that Uh, mel gibson scottish oh braveheart braveheart it was a very braveheart moment where ehud and the group went back because they knew the king was dead and he goes back and he blows a big trumpet and he goes, you know, for freedom and all that kind of thing. And they went in with a big a group of warriors of Israelites and they just slaughtered and they killed 10,000 Moabites that day. And at that point, there was no one there to be in charge anymore. Like, you know, like there was no, if there's no Negan, there's no, there's no saviors. There's no, there's no tribute. And, and that's, that's when they got, they got out from underneath the Moabites and it says that they were they lived in peace they lived in peace the moabites surrendered they didn't kill all of them but they surrendered and said hey we're not gonna make you do tribute anymore and the israelites lived in peace for 80 years so it's a good good story it's a good it's a good plan it's a good assassination go go left-handers and go ehud and yeah so it's cool so that was that's story number one (laughs) and then the story number two judges chapter four and it says 80 years later, <laughs> uh, oh, 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 sorry, 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 real quick, pause. It's fun because if you remember the last story, when the last thing that that Balaam had said to Balak uh, after God had, like, possessed him, he said that the Israelites were going to, I think it said, like, crush the foreheads of the Moabites or or crush their skulls or something something like that. It was, like, a very, like, the Israelites are going to fuck you up one day. And it didn't happen right away back then. But but this this was part of that. This was, you know, uh, the retribution for that promise from back then. So kind of came full circle in that in that regard. Super cool. So that was that. Now we, now we fast forward 80 years, 80 years later in Judges chapter 4. Ehud had died 
And of course, the Israelites started being dicks again, as as always happens. Uh, we talked about this. That's the ebb and flow, or the the roller coaster of the Bible. And they were put into slavery this time. So the Moabites were were fine; they were done. But they were put into slavery now, eighty years later, by Jobin, the king of Canaan. And Jobin, his his high commander of his army, was a guy named Sisera. So these are the people to remember: Jobin, king of Canaan; Sisera, the the commander of the army. Okay, Jobin and Sisera. So Jobin was the king of Canaan, and then Sisera was the army commander. And it says very specifically that he had nine hundred chariots, which is, I, I guess, very impressive. I mean, we have cars nowadays, and but but. 900 chariots was a well, that was a big army, right? It was a notable thing, a super hard army to fight against, right? I mean, they had chariots they can run around and they have horses and move faster. And they oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. That fat king we just talked about had oppressed them for 18 years, and now 80 years later from that, Jobin, king of Canaan, was oppressing them for 20 years. And the current person in charge of the Israelites was actually uh, a woman. She was a female prophet of God named Deborah. Again, it's the book of Judges, so I guess it's fitting. She was uh, she was the high judge. Whenever they got in a fight about anything, they would go to Deborah, and she would tell them, you know, guide them on, on what to do. So she's, you know, the she's Judge Judy of of ancient Hebrew and the Israelites at the time, right? She was she was the highest rating power uh, of them at this at this point. That's what they did. She would give them verdicts on their disputes, and but she was trusted and she was smart and she was very wise all around. Just you know, awesome. So she gets a message from God. She says she finds this guy named Barak. No relation. Not. Finds this guy Barak and says, "Take ten thousand men, Israelites, and go down to this river over here. God is going to deliver the nine hundred chariots that Sisera had, and He's going to deliver them to you by the river, and you're gonna you're gonna take them all out, and we're gonna be free. It's all gonna be great." This guy Barak is like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay, um, yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Uh, let's definitely take take." all these people down to the river and fight 900 chariots like yeah what could go wrong uh, sure judge judy deborah i will go but only if you go with me she says well if you insist i will go i'm not trying to like get you to do something i wouldn't do okay i'll go with you but if i go with you god will deliver all these people to a woman or like they're not delivered but like 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 a woman is going to be the reason that we become free and and Barack is like I don't I don't care like I said, I don't even want to go really like I I think this is a this is a crazy plan like like if you're saying we'll do it I trust you but I'm not really believing in it so who cares if uh, if a dude helps deliver us from the slavery whatever or a woman does I don't care and she's like all right let's go so so this guy Barack and Deborah and ten thousand dudes go head to, over to this river. Okay, so like a side note, there's a side, there's a side note that gets put right here in the Bible. <laughs> oh, also, by the way, information that you might should know, there was a distant relative of Moses named uh, Heber. He had set up a camp over nearby this, like, the Bible just says, like, near this big tree. 
I don't know how big this tree was that it specifically is like, hey, buy the big tree over here. But Heber and his family, they still like, they weren't, I don't know. They, Moses had been like a minute ago, right? Like that was, Moses is who like helped the Israelites leave Egypt and everything. So it's been a minute, but he still like had ties and like was still fond of the Israelites and knew who they were. But he also lived near the Moabites, so he also kind of had some alliances with them also, uh, living next to this big tree or whatever. <laughs> and so he was like, he had his like like a little camp, like tent village or tent town with him and his family and, and everything. And I don't, I don't know what they did for a living, like sheep or something, but anyway. So we're introducing a new character to the story that wasn't previously discussed, but this is this is how the Bible tells it. So anyway, so Barack and Deborah and Tesla guys are headed to the river. BTWs, uh, Heber and his family are over here in some tents by a big tree, which isn't too far away from the river. Okay, then we catch up. They're all headed down to the river and they all have their their swords in their hand they're all getting ready and someone tells that guy Sisera the, the commander of the army like um 10,000 and two of of your slave people just all grabbed swords and went down to the river and he's like oh no they didn't and he gets all mad and grabs up his chariots and just chases them down to the river i don't know so the bible doesn't really say how exactly other than deborah just like stood up at one point and shouted and said this is the day that god is giving sisera into our hands and everyone got riled up and super excited and they fought as you know when the chariots came that was enough of a of a rally cry to give them the motivation or whatever and of course i guess you know god was on their side or some something whatever but like and they Israelites for Israelites for winning the ten thousand, which I don't know how many. So it talks about the nine hundred chariots, which I understand. Like when cars don't exist, nine hundred chariots is impressive. But how impressive are chariots versus ten thousand people? Like you, like you're like more than ten to one people versus the chariot. Like, like. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. It's it's amazing. Like, right? They were like it was good, but like, ten thousand people versus nine. And like, well, but Sister's not dumb. He probably brought like people with him too. I just don't know. It doesn't say how many people he brought with him. But whatever, whatever, whatever. I digress. I digress. There was a big ass fight by the river. The Israelites just well, they were stomping the shit out of them. They were winning and they were killing everybody. And at some point, it's like they like. There's so many people. There's just people dead everywhere. Like like all these like all like all the chariots are dead or, or well chariots are broken and people are dead. And like all these all these army guys are gone, and everybody. And then Sisera, the head of the army, I don't know if it's too early to call him a coward or not, but he sees what's going on and I guess like his chariot topples or something. And he's on foot and he just dips he runs away he runs away from the whole thing he's like nope not today and he starts running and as he's running he comes up uh to, to heber's place heber's wife jail j-a-e-l sees him running and he's all bloody and exhausted from the fight and everything he's, he's just he's just a hot mess 
and she sees him and she says oh come here come here my lord don't be afraid he runs over to her tent and she brings him in and she like puts a blanket on him and she like cleans him up a little bit and he says hey i'm super thirsty can you give me a drink and she gets him a drink and she's just like you know again covers him up with blankets and like kind of like pats him down or whatever and he says hey like if anyone is looking for me tell them that you never saw me i was never here he, he i was never here to her and she says oh yeah you betcha like uh, then uh, I, I got you i got you dog and then he went to sleep while he was sleeping jail grabs a tent peg a spike right that you that you pound into the ground to hold your tent in place she ground she grabs a tent spike and a hammer and she goes slowly over to where Cicera is, is sleeping she places the tent spike above the temple on his head and she hammers it into his skull and kills him on the spot she hammers it so hard it says that like like I guess he was sleeping on the floor or something like she like hammers it through his skull and like to the point the spike is like through his skull and in the ground so not only is he dead if he were to be a zombie which isn't a thing but like if he were to be a zombie he wouldn't even be able to get up because his head is literally spiked into the ground bad ass jail doesn't get enough credit just fucking nails it in then uh, that guy Barack comes by and he's like hey have you seen this guy we've been looking for him and she's like oh yeah oh yeah we got him you betcha and she's like come look come look at my tent and then like Barack like walks in the tent and he sees this guy like just with a spike like through his skull and his open skull he's dead and he's like hammered into the ground and he's like oh I oh, oh you got him okay <laughs> and like or, or maybe it was like what did you do woman <laughs> he was happy it was he was happy that win like killing all the chariots and doing everything and finding out that that she put a tent spike through his skull and everything they riled up the whole army and they went on and it said they destroyed job and the king they they got their freedom and they were not slaves anymore and everything was great and the whole next chapter of the bible which is not like super fun to go into but the whole next chapter of the bible if you wanted to read it is literally called the song of deborah and it's not it's not super catchy but it is very like like woman empowering and it just talks about like how badass of a of, of a leader deborah was and her call to go down to the river and and get their freedom and how jail like like hammered a spike through through a dickhead skull and it's a great it's a cool it's a cool story it's a cool, cool song and and then it said they had peace for 40 years 40 sorry from i've been drinking uh, uh, forty years, and that and that comes full circle with. Do you remember when I just said ten minutes ago when Barack was like, "You need to come with me to go down the river because I'm not sure if this plan is going to work." And Deborah was like, "If I come with you, then a woman is going to take credit for winning everything." And he was like, "Fine, well, well, jails that that woman that gets credit for everything." And it's. It's just a fantastic story. No other fun things to say. It's just, it's awesome. I love, this is, this is one of these, these, both of these are one of my favorite stories that I love to talk about. So again, as always, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed and, and or were entertained and I hope that you have an awesome day and cheers.